welcome, you're at OTR, Over the Rainbow, Achieving Mental Health for Real. This show is about real people battling real mental issues and experts with tips to help in the battle. If you want to know more, please check out the trailer. Your host is Bob Adelman and his notes about today's episode follows. In this interview, I talk with award-winning author Dr. Margaret Gabrielle Muller, whose many roles include certified mental health coach, master life coach, professional certified coach, NLP master, and certified mindfulness practitioner. We discuss the stigma surrounding mental health. Plus, a message of hope for people who suffer from any mental illness or are isolated because they are neurodiverse. We also talk about the spiritual benefits of recovery. Now here is Bob with the interview. Hello, Margaret, and welcome to the show. How are you? Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me today, Bob. It's very exciting. No problem. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, could you give a, a, a small introduction? Yes. My name is Dr. Margaret Gabriel Muller. I'm a certified mental health coach. I'm also a master life coach, master NLP practitioner, and also I'm accredited with the International Coaching Federation as professional certified coach. And I'm not only a life coach and a mental health coach, I'm also a veterinarian. Uh, I'm the director of the Abu Dhabi Falcon Hospital in the United Arab Emirates, and I'm also a, an award-winning author. Great. Sounds really good. Um, so you specialize in uh, childhood mental illness. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think the topic in general of mental illness and mental health is it's still stigmatized. Um, like for me, for example, my mother suffered from schizophrenia and uh, she got actually ill when I was eight years old. So it had a major impact on me. And I believe really that the whole topics of mental illness, it is really underrepresented. That's why I'm so happy that you're doing this podcast because it is very important to shed light on this topic. Yeah, I think, I think it's still a big problem. The stigma is still out there. Yes, the, the stigma is there. And I have experienced the stigma myself as the daughter of a mentally ill mother. And it is really, the stigma is there. And it's really hard to overcome the stigma because people look at mental illness as something that people are crazy, that uh, it's not normal, uh, they're afraid of those people. And it also affects the family members. It's not just the ill person. It is also the family members that suffer. And I think it is very important to understand that if somebody has a physical illness, like a broken leg, they go to the hospital, get a surgery, and everything is fine. But if you have a mental illness, people look at you like you are really, really um, a kind of outcast. And even if you seek help, still it is not yet accepted fully by society. And that's one of my, my big goals to, yeah, to make more awareness about how to destigmatize this whole topic because it is not fair to let people suffer from the stigma in addition to their mental illness as well as the family members. And this yeah. is very important in my eyes because uh, only when we are able to remove the stigma and look at mental illness as something that simply requires treatment, then we will be able to overcome it and then we can help mentally ill people, but also their relatives. It's probably even worse in your country, right? <laughs> yeah, actually, yes. You know, the, the problem is that still today society is not yet so advanced to accept it. Slowly, slowly it starts to change. But uh, I believe until we raise more awareness, um, we are still a little bit behind. And I grew up in Germany, 
And all those years back when my mother got sick, I lived in a small town, so everybody actually was pointing their fingers at us. We were really outcasts, and we tried to hide it as usual. We tried to keep it as a secret in our family. Of course, it didn't work in the end, but we didn't want our mother to be looked at as a crazy person. We tried to protect her. We tried to help her. And in the same time, the stigma really, yeah, got us as well. So, you know, we didn't have friends and, and, uh, we were real outcasts. And it is very hard when you grow up under such circumstances because it's not just that you suffer from the trauma in your childhood. It is also that you suffer from the way how society is treating you. That's very true. Uh, in, in your case, your, your father was also had an issue? Yeah, my, my mother was mentally ill. She, she had schizophrenia. My father tried everything to just keep the family going, but it was hard for him because he was working full time. I was eight years at that time. My sister was uh, 12. She's four years older than me. And we tried somehow to get things, yeah, to keep things going. But for him, it was difficult. He couldn't even talk at work about this problem, what happened at home. We couldn't talk about it at school because it was simply not accepted. So we tried to carry on as a kind of normal routine, which of course was not possible because my mother had to undergo a lot of hospital stays that took two months, three months, or even longer. But we still tried to stick together. And I think that's the beautiful thing in our family that we managed to stay together as a family to help each other because most of the families in such cases, they break down as a family. The children might become yeah. drug addicts or become alcoholic or even uh, conduct suicide. The, the parents often get divorced because they cannot bear the strain anymore. It is such a massive pressure on everybody. So we were actually lucky that it was different. Yeah, especially in my case, uh, I have severe ADHD, dyslexia, depression, anxiety, all that. and when I got a severe attack, and this is really bad, I went to the hospital. My wife pretty much divorced me from that moment. She hung out for a couple more years. But then she divorced me. But even worse, well, uh, when I retired, my kids were like, oh, we don't understand you. We can't take care of you. Uh, you know, basically, you're, uh, you have big mental problems. We, we don't want to deal with it. So my daughter ghosted me. She basically will not talk to me. I can't write to her. I can't do anything. So I think there's a big, big communication gap between the two of us because I'm trying to tell them, you know, I have these problems and, you know, I have a little anger management problem and they're not ready to deal with it because one day I exploded on them and they were like, no, you don't do that. We're ghosting you. We're out. We're not doing anything. Yes. So I wound up moving, moving away from them, and, and now I, I hardly see them. It's actually, it's very, very sad, and unfortunately, that's actually the most common case that you you experience. A lot of people have this experience because the pressure on the families is really, really big, and it's hard for them to stick together. And that's the reason why I believe it is so important also for family members to understand, first of all, one thing. Nobody wants to be mentally ill. Nobody wants to have these kind of diseases. But it happens. It simply happens, and we have to accept it. 
it doesn't mean that this person it becomes a bad person now because they have a mental illness. It simply means that they were really unlucky in their life to get it. And we have to understand that nobody wants to be mentally ill. Of course, you don't want to be mentally ill, but in some cases, they're calling it neurodiverse now. Uh, people are accepting that they have ADHD or autism, and they don't view that, I think, anymore yeah. as a mental illness. Other yeah. ones like schizophrenia and bipolar, people definitely don't want to have to deal with that. They're exactly. very difficult. Yeah. Exactly. And I believe also that relatives have to make also more efforts to understand people that have those kind of diseases and try to support them. I know it is so difficult. I know this from myself, how hard it is when you see a person that that you love and, and this person starts changing because of all these things. But in the same time, if we don't support, if we don't give a strong support framework and network for these people, then it's so hard for them even to get over it. And they need to have this support, this unconditional love, and just to really let them down, like so you say, but like in your case, then to, to, to divorce somebody, it's understandable, but it shouldn't be like this, because like this, you remove all this, yeah, this supportive network from the person. And that's why I think it is so important to make peace with this disease, with the illness, because only if we start to accept it as it is, as something that needs treatment, but still a person can live a, a proper life in most cases. I think people don't uh, know how bad it feels, and they don't know how awkward you could be if you have ADHD, for instance. Yes. And they they don't understand it, so they look at it as a mental illness. But in some cases, it's really not. But it's just almost impossible to get, you would have to transfer a feeling to another person and for them to sympathize with you because people don't understand it. They don't get it. I, I've talked to a lot of people in the ADHD group and they were basically like, no, my family doesn't get it no matter how much I try to explain it. They still don't get it. So. It's very hard, as you say, and I totally agree with you that people often don't understand it. Sometimes they don't want to understand because it is very hard to put yourself in the shoes of the other person. And I remember when my mother had her, yeah, her episode, her schizophrenic episode, she was a completely different person. She didn't know who I was. She couldn't recognize me anymore. She lived in a different world. She spoke with different people. She had her delusions and hallucinations. And it's very hard to understand it. But in the same time, we also should put all our efforts in, in still understanding that the person, the person itself is still the same person, a lovable person. And if they would have had a physical disease, nobody will talk about it. Everything will be normal and it's accepted. But because it is a mental disease that, that causes so much trauma for everybody. And it is so hard to see because it's breaking your heart if you see somebody ill like that. But because of this, the more you should support, because it is hard, it, it, it's so difficult, and it is really heartbreaking. But if we don't give the support, in the end, us as relatives of mentally ill people, we will not be able to overcome the trauma. We will not be able to make peace 
with what has happened in our life, with our partner, spouse, parent, or sibling, or whoever. And we will not be able to move forward in the right way. And only if we are able to make peace with the situation, with the illness, and understand it as it is, that this can happen to every single one of us, then only we are able to move forward in the right direction. That's absolutely my opinion. I, I, yeah, that's a very good point. Uh, and and my daughter uh, basically runs away from it. She she calls me toxic, and she says, "I don't need you in my life. I'm happier without you." Uh, I think one day I worry that she'll say, "Wait a minute, I had a father, and I just threw him in the toilet, <laughs> and uh, now I feel bad about it, and there's nothing I could do because he's not alive." So I am afraid of that type of repercussions that they'll have and how they can handle things like that. Yes, that, that's right. And also, if somebody is not able to yeah, to go through such a situation, first of all, in future, they might regret it because they can't change it anymore if they run away or if they are not coping with the situation. And in the same time, I didn't understand it when my mother was ill. I understood it only much later. A situation like this mm-hmm. can be also an opportunity for yourself to grow personally, to grow more, to become more resilient, to become stronger, right. and to be able to, to overcome such obstacles, no matter what happens in your life. But it shapes you, it shapes you as a character, it shapes you to become much stronger, with much more resilience, but yes. it shouldn't yes. define your life. And this is the point. If you are able to cope with it and to learn those coping mechanisms, and to process the situation, the trauma, and still to love your spouse, your parent, or, or sibling, or whoever, then you will be able to, first of all, to get out of it with a kind of post-traumatic growth, but also you will be able to make peace with it. And we should look at it as an opportunity. I myself could have never done the things I did in my life if I wouldn't have had all these really awful experiences in my youth with my mother because it helps me to become stronger. If you have somebody you love who, who has some kind of mental illness and you are able to cope with the situation, to stand by this person and to yeah, to really try to overcome all these traumatic experiences and to start processing them, then also you open yourself up for different opportunities that you can say normal people who have never experienced something like this will never be able to do because you are stronger, you are more resilient, you understand things differently, and you are more compassionate. Right, right. In my in my case especially, I always think about the fact that this made me so strong mentally, and and it opened up my eyes to different things. And my problem is my children are, are at a certain point and they just want to stay there. They don't want to grow mentally. They don't want to think about the fact that I have problems. They don't want to think about the fact that they have problems and, and they are stagnant in their development. And I also worry about Look, that. I agree with you because it's not always the best solution just to run away and to look for the easy life. The easy life can be the wrong life because I believe that each one of us gets so much to carry that he can bear. Whatever we have to carry, we are able to bear. Otherwise, we wouldn't have to carry it. 
But in the same time, if you just run away because you you don't want to start processing these things, you don't want to understand, you don't want to work hard on yourself because this is what it is. It's a very hard work on yourself to overcome all these things and to understand it and to give the helping hand and to give the support and to be there all the time. Uh, then also I think that those people, sadly, will also run away with some different kind of problems in the future because they have never learned to really push themselves to the limit to a way that they are able to overcome whatever comes on their way. And each one of us has a path where we will face obstacles. It can be something like this. It can be something even at work. But if you are not learning how to overcome obstacles, in the end, you will be stuck, you will fail, you will not develop yourself further, you will not grow further. And then that's not the way. It may be the only reason that we're here uh, to develop these kinds of skills, to, uh, you know, to become more spiritual. And the only way you can grow at anything is to hard work. And that includes mental health. And I think people have to realize that they're going through a very tough time now. But if you just hang in there, take the right medicines, get help from life coaches like yourself they can overcome it and become stronger. I totally agree with you, Bob, because I believe that, you know, if you you have somebody who has a mental illness and you stick to them and you help them and you support them no matter what, uh, it's also a process that you are going uh, undergoing and you become stronger, you become more resilient, and you will be able in general to overcome any kind of obstacles that come in your life and each one of us is facing obstacles, different kind of obstacles, but to go through such an experience creates some kind of post-traumatic growth and it creates a such a resilience that you will be able to overcome no matter what it will be. So I believe we should go away from this yeah, self-pity, why me, why do I have to go through this, <laughs> why is it not somebody right. else, and, and really to move forward and to move on and to say yes, it happened like this, but there will be a purpose why it happened in this way. And uh, in the end, you will see that it could have been even beneficial for you, like it was for me. And I right. think we need to look at it from a completely different perspective. Right. And um, it's helped me so much and it enabled me to do the show, even though, you know, I'm a little bit shy of talking. Uh, I'm a little bit with a microphone all easier but uh because of, uh, words come out wrong and things like that so i'm a little bit shy um but it, it it makes me do something uncomfortable which i think is good um i just think it's hurtful for people to just be stagnant i mean we're here for maybe a reason and that reason might be to go through these challenges and come out the other side and i think that's important for everybody that's going through it right now to remember that there's a positive side to this. There's a real positive side. And right now with the medicine and, and counseling, I've come to a point where I'm happy most of the time. Not, you know, nobody's happy all the time. And I, and I still go through my demons and my bounce. But I, I now feel that it was for a reason. Enable me to just start, yeah. start this show and help put a dent in this 
horrible stigma and and get people talking about it. I think there's other shows that do that, which is great. And I just want to be able to tell people, do not be embarrassed. Come out. I mean, the chips will fall anyway. So if you come out and they and they reject you, then that makes you even stronger because they're the ones that are, have, have the issue, not you. And you have to embrace the fact that you're not what they call a neurotypical person, possibly. And you have to embrace that and say, it's okay. And I'm going to recover and it's okay. That's the message I try to get across in this broadcast if I can. Yes, and uh, the, what you said, uh, Bob, it's, first of all, it's very brave what you said. And secondly, I completely, completely agree with you because what you said, everything happens for a reason. I believe strongly that this is true. Everything happens for a reason. We might not understand the reason when it happens at that very moment. But when we look back in time, then we will see that this was something we had to undergo. We had to process. We had to go through all of this to prepare us for the next stage in our life. And for me, the illness of my mother prepared me to become, yeah, successful in my professional life. I moved from Germany to, to Abu Dhabi, the United Arab Emirates. I was the first female veterinarian in a male-dominated world of falconry. There was no woman before me. And it was so hard. I faced so much resistance and so much objection. And everybody tried really to, to kick me out and to get rid of me because they thought a woman cannot do this job as a veterinarian here to treat falcons. But if I wouldn't have had the experience with my mother that made me so strong, that gave me so much resilience and so much perseverance, I could have never overcome this obstacle and I could have never become a renowned falcon doctor. And this is the point. Later on, only we understand, and that's what I say today. The illness of my mother was the greatest gift she could give me because it prepared me for everything else that came later in my life. And once we change the perception and we believe that this is the path that is destined for us, and this goes to what you said about spirituality, uh, we are destined for our path. And once we follow that path, then things will be right, and it has to be like that. But in the very moment, it's hard to understand. That's why we need to see that it's not the end of the life. This is just a part of it to prepare us for whatever will come in the future. Right, and it was e even worse in, in the past. Like, I had my attack in 91. In 91, they barely had uh, Prozac. Yeah. It was very misunderstood. And I literally thought, that they were going to put me in a mental hospital and just keep me there the rest of my life. And I thought my life was over, but it's not. Exactly. It's exactly. Not. And when we look at the, the advances that medicine has done, research has done over the past decade or even the past years, nowadays there are so many better psychopharmic, uh, pharmaceutical medicines uh, there are so many better medications that can help people not to become so bad that they have to have a hospital stay, but they can still function in daily life and they will be able to overcome this disease and to, as you said, to in the, in the end accept it and embrace it. But those medicines, they help a lot nowadays. It's not like 30, 40 years ago where almost nothing was available or the medicines were not good enough. So that's also what we need to see, the advances of medicine that helps us so much today and that can 
create a life that's worth to live, and that's what we need to understand. Even if we have a mental illness, it is a life worth to live. I, I, I was very fortunate. I got a very good doctor, and he recommended something that even today people look at me and go, oh, that's not a, that's not a medicine for depression, because it's for reckless leg syndrome. It changed me so much yes. and, and took away my melancholy, took away my apathy. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's terrific. And, and people will look at it now and say, well, I don't know if it's good, whatever. But it's a lack of knowledge. I mean, it, if these doctors would go and figure out, hey, these people are being helped by this certain medicine, let's try it. That type of thing, and we had an open dialogue. I think, I think, you know, the medication and the treatments would be so much, so much better. And I think people are afraid to take medication, and I understand that. I didn't want to take it at first either, but if you need it, you have to take it. If you don't need it, I say you don't have to. I mean, you have to go to counseling first, and then if that doesn't work, you have to consider other. Other means. Now they have this new thing, uh, with a psychedelic. And apparently that works well. I don't know. But, I mean, there's always new stuff coming out. And there's always hope. And that's what this show is meant to be. It's meant to be hope for the hopeless. And I hope this message gets across to at least one person. And, and then I would be happy. You know, that's all I want. Because I don't people to suffer like I did for nothing. That That's all I want out of this show. That's wonderful, you said, and I completely agree with you. The moment we start talking about it and we accept and we embrace it, this is the moment when we can say that it's a message of hope. It doesn't mean everything is finished. It gives a life. It can give medication, can give a new lease of life. Talking about mental illness can give hope to people who are desperate, who think there is no no rescue, there is no way out of it. And I believe a podcast like your podcast creates this hope. It's a guiding light for people. It's like a lighthouse when you are in the sea, when you're drifting in the sea. And the more people come forward, like in your case, and it is so brave to come forward and to say, I have this problem, I have this, but I work on it. And I try to overcome it, and I try to live a life that's worth living. And medication can give me a, a new lease of life. I think that is so tremendously important that people can see that still you can live a good life, even with all the difficulties. But yes, it is hope. And uh, if I can help with, with my comments to shed a little bit of hope as well, it's wonderful. And I really commend you for this podcast because it's a huge step forward for everybody. And as you say, if just one person listens to that podcast and changes the life, then already it's a huge success. Then it's a thousand people. I mean, he knows this person, who knows that person, and just multiplies. So saving one person yes. can save a million. Exactly. We, we have to get the whole thing straightened out. I mean, we're in an evolutionary process, and I, I believe for the better. I believe there are people out there that aren't completely, I guess you could call it like a big jerk. (laughs) There are people, nice people. There are people that want to help. And we have to remember that even though 
you might see people that don't care or people that are, you know, just pass it off as a, a, a character flaw. They're all wrong. They're just completely wrong. It's, it's not a character flaw. It's a medical, physical problem. Sometimes mental. I mean, sometimes it has to do with how we were raised. And that's a very important environment issue. So it's both. You know, PTSD is all about, you know, what we went through and how we can get over it. But some people are just born with the need to have to take some, you know, medicine for the organ called the brain. And it's no different than the heart. It's no different than the liver. It can go wrong and we can correct it. And I think that's important for people to know that it can be corrected. And that medicine, even though it has risks, and if you take too much, it's, it's not good. I mean, we're not looking for a high. That's what people think. It's like, oh, I'm taking LSD or something. It's not anything like that. It doesn't change you. It makes you able. It's, it's like, it's like putting, uh, you know, some ointment on your cut on your arm. That's all it is. And you still have to heal, but it doesn't hurt as much. And it allows you to heal better. I mean, I was at a point where I was totally, I couldn't talk to anybody. I would just sit in the corner. And if anybody came over, I was just so bad. So much anxiety built up. And I wound up getting into the hospital. They gave me a Xanax. And you shouldn't take Xanax. You shouldn't take too much of it. But for that moment in time, it enabled me to get back on the horse and keep riding again. And, and subsequently, I got off of that medication. And my brother, who has the same thing I have, it runs in the family, further proof that it's physical. My brother's nothing like me. He still got it. But he got over, he got off the medicine when he retired. When there wasn't so much pressure, he got off the medicine. So it's always a chance that you don't have to take it for your whole life. Exactly. And I believe it's very important that people out there see role models like you who underwent so many difficulties and tried everything. And as you say, medication can help to a great deal. And we need to be open to this, but also in the same time to work on ourselves to see the chance that medication can give us, that working on ourselves can give us, and then in the end, really, to live a life that's worth living. And I believe what you said is totally right. It's, I believe yourself as a, as, a, as a really amazing role model for people out there because they see how it can be. It doesn't mean you need to give up hope. It means it can be an inspiration. And what you just said was very inspirational and very beautiful, and I think it will touch a lot of people. Tell us how you help people. Are you a life coach? Actually, I'm a mental health coach. I'm specializing in inner dynamics, which means it's a part of psychology. We believe that each one of us consists of different parts. You know, sometimes we say, well, one part of me would like to go shopping and the other part of me would like to sit on the sofa and watch TV. <laughs> These are inner parts that are talking to us. And there are parts that have been, yeah, so much hurt in the past, in the childhood, that they are so vulnerable, that they remain in this stage and other parts are trying to protect them. 
to help the person to, yeah, not to experience this much of pain and this much of hurt anymore. So what I'm doing as a mental health coach, I try to reach to this part that has been so much hurt, that is so much in pain, and to come really to that place that I try to access this one in the subconscious mind, to go back to these traumatic childhood experiences, and then slowly, slowly to try to let it process and to try to heal that. And it is amazing what you can achieve with this kind of, of, um, of therapy because it really changes a lot when those parts that are so vulnerable understand that, yeah, we live now in a different life and they start to overcome this kind of trauma, then it really gives you a new, new lease of life because you can live a much better life uh, once you start accessing this. So uh, it's, it's really amazing what you can achieve with this. I'm doing this with people who have mental health concerns, not mental illness. Mental illness requires medication, requires psychiatric treatment or counseling. But this is for people who have been so much hurt, for example, in their childhood, that they have anxiety, they cannot sleep at night, it affects their relationships, it affects their daily life. They cannot really move forward. They're stuck in the past. They're stuck in the same patterns. So I try to help them to process those experiences and uh, to reach really to their deep, deep inner self, which is the real stuff, the real self of that person, and to help them to make peace with their past. And once they're able to process those experiences and to make peace with their past, then they're able to move forward as a more resilient person, as a person who has hope, who can really embrace the future. So that's what I'm doing, what I'm specializing in. And it is amazing what results you can achieve with this uh, inner dynamic. Uh, It's just beautiful to see. That's great. I mean, uh, we need more people. I could just tell that that you are a spiritual person and that you probably do go through a lot of trauma and drama and, and that you're coming out the other side and you're stronger for it. And that, and that's what we're saying. Um, there, there is hope. And that's, and that's the message, I guess, for today. <laughs> um, do you, do you have any websites or any other sites that you'd like to talk about? Yes, I have a special website, www.coachformentalhealth.com. And you have a lot of information about mental health in general on it, but as well as inner dynamics and as well as the program I'm doing. And uh, this is a special coaching program that I have developed. It's a three-month program that's conducted yeah, as an online course with private one-on-one coaching classes via Zoom. And it's it actually, <laughs> I created it from my own experience as well as a lot of research. To cover all these topics, for example, that we also spoke about, like the stigma that people have, this self-pity that they have, this being stuck in the same old patterns, this feeling that they cannot forgive, for example, their their sibling or their family member who has a mental illness. And to try to tackle all those issues one module at a time every week, and then really to guide them through this inner dynamics coaching towards a new future and to help them to create a new yeah, a new being. And as you said, to give them the hope, to inspire them, and to help them and to give them the guiding hand to live better life. And they can do this virtually or or they do it on their own? How, how, how do you 
actually do this if you want to. Usually it's like this. The program is conducted virtually uh, through Zoom. And they have like course material inside. We do even guided meditations for each topic because I'm also a mindfulness practitioner. We do specific meditations for that plus the coaching, which we conduct through Zoom. So uh, I have clients from all over the world because it's easy to do it through Zoom nowadays. And it's really a program where people have to work on themselves. I'm not saying it's an easy program. They have to work hard, but the results are really amazing. So um, if somebody would like to do it, 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 I can really encourage them because it can really change their life to the better. And what was the website they should go to again? It is www.coachformentalhealth.com. Right. That's terrific. Uh, you know, um, people don't know we, <laughs> I, I'm a nonprofit, so I work in the house and our gardener came today <laughs> and started mowing the lawn and I had to get her to call me back and she was so understanding. I just want people to know that. Cause some people would say, Oh, how unprofessional. I'm not calling back. Uh, I'm just so glad you did because uh, I think it was a terrific program today. You were a great guest, and and I appreciate the work you do and everything you do. Thank you for that. No, thank you so much for the invitation. I'm really honored to be on your podcast, and I really want to commend you for being such an amazing role model, such an inspiration. And I really believe that you and your podcast give so much hope for people out there in the audience. And as you say one person at a time, if they start to change and they see the hope and they start changing their life, then it is all worth it. Thank you so much for all the great work you are doing. Okay, take care. Thank you so much. All the best for you. 